You are listening to the Hope Fellowship Church Podcast. To find more information about our church and ministries, check out our website at hopeandanderson.com. Now, this week's teaching. My name is Laura Beth Beckner, and I have been attending Hope for about three, four years now. Please stand for today's reading. Our passage today is from Luke 11, 11 through 13. What father among you, if his son asks for fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Awesome. As you guys are having to see you, turn to somebody next to you and welcome them, greet them, give them a high five, a hug, whatever you got to do, let them know they are seen, heard, loved, all that. Hey, well, welcome, guys, uh, to Hope Fellowship. My name is Matthew Cogswell, uh, and so glad to be here with you where we're all about helping people become and belong through loving God, loving others, and making disciples. And so, um, man, beautiful uh, Labor Day weekend. You guys had some uh, good plans. Who went to the hot air balloon thing in Anderson? Anybody do that? Nobody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're like, well, I have hot air balloons, right? They do a hot air balloon. They do that every, every year. I see it from, well, we can see it from everywhere in Anderson, but um, I love see it, seeing uh, the hot air balloons going on. Who's got some plans for tomorrow, all right? Who's got some plans? You guys just chilling, sleeping. Hey, that's a plan for me, resting and taking a nap. That is a plan for me. No labor, no work. Who has to work? I am so sorry. God bless your soul. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it's all good. We will, uh, hey, I'm excited to be here um, and, to, and to wrap up this series uh, entitled Teach Us to Pray. Um, we started this, this series and we're going to start this one prayer night, this monthly one prayer night, uh, because we have a desire, a, a, a passion, if you will, to uh, cultivate a deeper sense of prayer here at Hope Fellowship Church. That's what we want. We want to we see that grow. And, and, and so, um, you know, we thought, man, what better passage that we could really dive into and I can kind of unpack this challenges many of us have in the spiritual discipline of prayer, and it's uh, found in, in Luke 11, 1 through 13. In this passage, the disciples have been walking with Jesus for about a year or so now, and they're at a place where some of, the, of us are today. They're struggling with this idea of prayer. They're struggling with this, this reality, and so they just straight up asked Jesus one day as he is uh, praying in a certain spot. They say, hey, Jesus, can you like teach us how to, how to pray? And, um, and so Jesus responds to their question with a really profound uh, teaching that can be broken up in, into three different kind of categories. If the verses one through four is really focused on the content of our prayer. Week one, Pastor Mark uh, talked about how our, the content of our prayers really need to be framed within relationship with God. 
specifically the relationship that Jesus was modeling to the disciples and to us, his prayerful dependence on God being his father, right? And then week two, then we focus on the persistence of our prayers. Last week, uh, Pastor Mark read the, the parable where Jesus gives a, a friend goes to his neighbor late at night and, um, and he's, you know, knocking on the door and he's trying to get, uh, uh, you know, some food at, at late at night and it's this inopportune time and, you know, it's just kind of funny situation, but God, you know, Jesus uses it to be able to, uh, man, just to challenge us to be persistent in our, our prayers and to be unashamed of that. Also, um, within this humility, like the dependence on the Father. And now, week three, our final week, as we conclude, we're gonna see that Jesus really highlights God's faithfulness in our prayers. Bottom line for us today is that our prayer life will grow when we begin to grasp the God of how much more. Turn to somebody and say, how much more? Is God gonna do a work here in your life? Turn to go ahead, turn and say, How much more? Say, How much more is God gonna work in your life? Here we go. I'm gonna go ahead and pray and then we're gonna read this passage together. Lord, thank you so much for, for today. Thank you so much for um, the opportunity to be able to preach and teach your word. I thank you that your spirit is, is alive and moving. And even now, begin to uh, speak to our hearts and our, our minds. I pray, God, that you would hide me behind the cross that you would be lifted up, Jesus, and we'll be careful to give you all the thanks and all the praise for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Verse 11, which of you fathers, Jesus says, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a serpent instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Somebody say, how much more? How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Point number one, as we get into this, the message here today, how much more can we trust our heavenly Father's good intentions towards us? See, Jesus starts off this teaching, verse one through five, again, uh, illustrating and, and highlighting uh, this relationship uh, with God, clarifying the importance of approaching God not as some distant, angry deity, but as a present, loving, heavenly Father. And now we see him conclude this teaching by bringing us back to that relationship between children and fathers. And to be honest with you, I'm glad that we're going back here. I'm glad that we're doing this. As uncomfortable as it can be a little bit, man, I, I'm glad we're coming back here because I don't know about you, like the first week when Pastor Mark was unpacking this, this challenge, seeing God as our father, and it was tapping on areas of my life that I'm like, oof, man, this is, this is kind of tough. This is kind of tough. You know, I, I didn't grow up with my dad in the household. My parents were never married. I saw my dad maybe once or twice every couple of years. So this whole concept of God being a father is a, 
It's a challenge for me personally, and I think maybe for some of you here, it is as well. I just did a kind of a little um, bit of research on fatherlessness in the United States. And as I began to do some research, I saw some statistics that I personally can attest to as being true. They're pretty tough, but it's true. Um, U.S. Census Bureau, Pure Research, Research Center, and other research groups says that across America, in 2022, data indicates that there are approximately 18.3 million children who live without a father in the home, comprising about one in four U.S. children. How about this? About 80% of single parent homes are led by single mothers. Check, that was for me. And how about this? Children from single-parent families are twice as likely to suffer from mental health and behavioral problems as those living with married parents. Check. In one study, 70% of youth in state-operated facilities were from single-parent homes. Check. Now on the flip side, this stat says children with an actively engaged father perform much better in school, some data shows that they are 33% less likely to repeat a class and 43% more likely to get A's in school. And this sobering one, in a study of 56 school shootings, only 10 of the shooters, 18%, were raised in a stable home with both biological parents. 82% grew up in either an unstable family environment or grew up with both biological parents together. Wow, (laughs) right? No wonder why there's so many of us that struggle with this concept of prayer and specifically of talking to God, our Father, right? Makes sense. If all we've known kind of in our earthly example, is a father who's been distant, who's been apathetic, who's been abusive, not a present. How, how do you think that's going to challenge this concept of talking to God, our father? It's gonna challenge it, isn't it? Why? Because, I mean, just take faith out of the equation and let's just, that, and that challenge alone, but let's just say, man, like you're not gonna talk to somebody who you don't truly believe is gonna be present to you or who's got your best interests in mind. You're just not. And so I think it's so helpful to hear the words of Christ this morning as he presents this absurd, almost comical situation that helps us to truly understand the character and the nature of God, our Father, and his faithfulness in spite of the flawed examples that you and I may have grown up with and experienced. He says in verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? How ridiculous is that, right? Like, okay, I'm a father of two, okay? 
I've got uh, Isabella. She's going to be turning seven come October. And my boy, Zayden, he's two years old. We love these kids, but they're going to eat us out of house and home. Okay? I'm telling you. They're going to eat us out. There's two snacks that we better have in our pantry. Otherwise, there's, there's going to be a riot. I'm just, I'm just going to say that's what's going to happen. The two snacks are fig bars and yogurt. Fig bars and yogurt. How many of y'all like fig bars and yogurt up in here? Where's my healthy people? Um, so Zayden, he, um, as a little boy, he affectionately likes to call the fig bars bar, bar, right? So he'll, he'll wake up in the morning, he'll be like, bar, bar. I'm like, okay, we know what he's talking about. So, so but what happened if, you know, one morning he comes, wakes up, bar, and I'm like, yeah, baby, I got you. I'm going to go into my pantry right here. Oh, here's Psych Serpent, right? Like, what? Like, right? who does that? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, okay, and a side note, I am that dude that scrolls Instagram and loves the pranks of, like, between, like, husband and wife and fathers and kids. Anybody has, like, the, the pranks? Am I just the weird one? Okay, I'm just the weird one. I see a couple of y'all. I, lo- I love the one, specifically one, like, it was the wife. She uh, had, like, this... I don't know what kind of snake it was, but it, some, it was a fake snake and it looked so real. And the dude was like, the husband was working on something and the snake comes slithering up to him. I was working, he turns and he freaks out and he like jumps aside. I'm like dying hysterically. I'm like, hey baby, I'm looking to Sarah. I'm like, check this out. Look at this, this is hilarious. She's like, seriously, that's dumb. And I'm like, no, it's hilarious. And it is kind of hilarious. Like, it's a prank. It's a prank. It's hilarious. It's one thing if it's a prank. It's another if I literally pulled out a snake for Zayden when he asked for a bar, right? It's a whole other situation when Isabella asks for some yogurt. I'm like, oh, I got you, babe. And I bring out a scorpion. DSS? Hey, I got, you know, some people, right? Like, that's just not, that's not going to work. That's not going to fly. And I can see the disciples I'm just imagining them, like Jesus has given this crazy example and they're probably thinking, Jesus, we asked you to teach us to pray. Like what's going on here? Like what's the point, right? And so Jesus continues and he says this in verse 13. He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what's he saying? He's saying that even though that they have a sinful nature, right? One that is predisposed to, to evil. Uh, if us sinful as we are know how to give good gifts to our children, like that's like an obvious, that's, doesn't matter how, I mean, you could be the worst father ever, worst parent ever, and you still know how to give good gifts to your children. And Jesus is saying, how much more? How much more? Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you? How much more does he have good intentions to you? Listen, if we really grasp at this more, like there's this how much more of our God, man, our, our, our prayer life is going to grow rapidly. 
How much more? How much more can this God of all creation, who made the sun, the moon, the stars, the sea, and everything in it, who knows every hair on your head and knows the end from the beginning, the God who cannot lie, the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the God who said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, nor give you up. How much more? his intentions good towards you and I. Man, when we begin to grasp, truly grasp that, really kind of sit in that reality of this God of how much more our prayer life is going to flourish. Point number two, how much more valuable is the gift of the Spirit? How much more valuable is the gift of the Spirit? Now here's where it gets a little bit interesting. <clears throat> you think that this would be enough, right? Like we could talk about this concept about God being our father, the implications of that and that, that relationship, looking at Jesus, who is God, the son, talking to God, the father, and that just is mind-boggling in itself. But, but Jesus presses a little further and he, and he throws in, it seems like he kind of slips this in at the end, if you will, and he talks about the, the Holy Spirit Right, and I can imagine this being kind of confusing to the disciples, you know, uh, who in their first century Jewish minds, the Holy Spirit isn't for everybody. The Holy Spirit, up until that point, it was only for the prophets, the priests, and the kings, or I would even throw in their rulers, like those leaders. And we're going to see that in the book of Judges as we study that uh, next week, but. The Holy Spirit isn't just for everybody. The Holy Spirit is just for the prophets, priests, and the kings. And so in their minds, it's like, man, yeah, the Holy Spirit, that's just for, you know, them spiritual folk, All right? How many of you guys have been there? How many of y'all kind of thought that before? And I know in this room, we've got a, a lot of you from different denominations, a bunch from different backgrounds of liturgical, you know, just backgrounds and all that, I get that. And so when it comes to the Holy Spirit, um, that can be a challenge for some of us, right? Some of us can get really challenged. So, so here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna just kind of do a quick couple of illustrations, I feel like, to kind of get us on uh, uh, kind of the same page. And I think will be helpful for us to really unpack what Jesus is saying here and just the, the dynamic here and when he throws in here the Holy Spirit so I got this uh, graphic on the screen. This is a graphic of the biblical Trinity. Um, the Holy Spirit is known as the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, co-equal, co-eternal. The Father is not the Spirit. The Spirit's not the Son. They're three distinct persons, yet one in essence. Right? Mind-blowing. And you can kind of, you can sit in that for a long time. Now, I have heard people say, well, the Trinity doesn't exist because, you know, it doesn't um, explicitly say in the Bible, the Holy Trinity. And I just, really just going to kind of push back on that uh, because although it's not explicitly, you're right, it's not explicitly say the Holy Trinity in the Bible. Nowhere does it say from Genesis to Revelation, the Holy Trinity but you know what I do see through Genesis to Revelation? The concept of the Trinity, right? We see the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. And so um, kind of another illustration I feel like will be helpful as we kind of grasp this. We got this three-legged stool here or, or, or table. This is from my office. And so, uh, so let's just say, for example, um, it's God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit represented. Okay? You guys following me? You good? Like, no, that's just a three-legged table that you're holding up, looking weird. No, it, just follow with me, right? Father, Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three, right? Triune. People are, they kind of got a good grasp, whatever. Let's say God the Father, okay, get that, even though it's difficult. God the Son, but when it comes to the, God the Holy Spirit, like, I'm out, right? God the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's like a, the weird uncle in your family. You just don't talk about him too much. You know he's there, let's just not talk about him too much, right? Like, it's just it's that kind of, kind of what I've observed. And you know what else I've also observed? I observe whether intentionally or unintentionally, the theology of a lot of people in their lives, their kind of their understanding of who God is, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Now, some of you are like, well, what's the matter with that? Some of you also may be like, Pastor Matt, are you diminishing the authority of Scripture? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. We believe here at Hope, and we stand firmly that that the Word of God, the Bible, is God breathed, and it's an errant that it, it, it holds authority for our our, our lives. That that it, its its use is for is profitable, uh, according to Second Timothy, for uh, for uh, for reproof and for correction and for teaching us in all righteousness. We believe that the Holy Bible is important. But let's just kind of do a thought experiment here. Let's just say tomorrow, every Bible is burned up. God God forbid, but let's say that every Bible is destroyed tomorrow morning. You know what happens? God the Father still reigns. Jesus is still on the throne. And the Holy Spirit is still living and moving and active in our world today. Can I get an Amen. But so many of us, we've, for whatever reason, we've kind of excluded that understanding of who God is, and, and we've kind of neglected that part, and, and kind of in place, it's, it's, the, it's the Bible, and, and, and again, we believe in, in the, the Bible holds authority, but, but there's, it's God the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and what happens when we neglect the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives, when we diminish his role, when, when we um, kind of just kind of relegate the Holy Spirit kind of to the side in the back room, whatever, like, you know what happens to our theology? It's wonky at best, Right? Our understanding, our relationship with God, when we exclude the Holy Spirit, is wonky at best. It matters. It matters to Jesus. He matters to Jesus. That's why he mentioned the Holy Spirit, right? And so the disciples, they're thinking to themselves, man, what are you talking about? Asking the Holy Spirit, like, 
again, up until then, they, they, they had no concept. It was just the Holy Spirit was available to prophets, priests, and kings. But guess what? There was a prophecy given. There was a, a prophecy given that was going to change the dynamic and the relationship between mankind and God forever. It was found in Joel chapter 2, verse 20 through 29. It says this. It says, and it shall come to pass that afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And then Jesus testifying to this promise of the Holy Spirit right before he is going to the cross. He says in John 14, 15 through 16, he tells his disciples, says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate or a helper, in the Greek parakletos, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. John 15, 26 through 27 says, talks about, again, the Holy Spirit is gonna come to testify about Jesus, pointing to him. It's going to um, empower the disciples to testify about Jesus. And, and we see that happen on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, where this promise is fulfilled. One through four says this, says the day, when the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus's resurrection, after it came, they were all together in one place, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wow. So if you remember, if you you read a little further in the book of Acts, when this happens, it's like, Man, it's this, all this commotion happens. You, you have people that have traveled from all over in different dialects. They're hearing, they're hearing the praises and the things of God being spoken in their native language. And it's just, and they're in awe. Some of them are like, they're, they're mind blown. They're like, what is going on? I'm hearing all these things. And then there's some others that are like, man, these people are drunk. Like they, they literally say, it's like, man, they had too much to drink up in there. What's going on up in there, right? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he boldly steps up and he says, listen, guys, we're not drunk. It's like, whatever, 10 o'clock in the morning. He said, no, but what's happening here is the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, verse 28, 29. Powerful. And then you follow this along to Ephesians chapter one, verse 13. Paul says, and, and now you Gentiles, all non-Jews, right? Have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Man, you can see it woven through all out scripture. Now I love this from Billy Graham. This is, as we kind of hit home on this point here. This is what Billy Graham says. He says, if you know Christ, 
you don't need to beg for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. He's already there. Whether you feel his presence or not, don't confuse the Holy Spirit with an emotional feeling or a particular type of spiritual experience. Do you get that? You guys following that? Looking at scripture, looking at what is he saying? He's saying, man, there's some of you that probably, and I've heard it before, they say, no, you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you do X, Y, and Z. You don't have the Holy Spirit. And, And there's been some really wonky theology that's been going out there that has hindered us in our relationship and our understanding about the Holy Spirit. But we see here that according to the word of God, if you are a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? If you have repented of your sins, trusted Jesus Christ as, as the son of God whose, whose death, burial, and resurrection paid the penalty of, of, of your sin debt and you've received him into your life and begin to follow him, man, you are a child of God. You have the spirit of God inside of you. That is so important for us to grasp and to, to begin to grow deep roots in this reality, right? So the question, if you're a believer here this morning, is not whether or not you have the Holy Spirit. You know what the question is? Is how much does the Holy Spirit have of you and of me? That's the question. How much does the Holy Spirit have of you of me, has he, does he have a home in your life? Or is he being pushed out? Are we being led by the spirit? Are we being led by the flesh? Are we being filled with the spirit? Are we being filled with, you know what? (laughs) How much does the Holy Spirit have of you and I. Because I tell you what, the Holy Spirit is a game changer in our relationship with God, in our prayer life with God. That's why Jesus throws it in there. They weren't ready for it at that point in time, but there was gonna come in time when he was gonna go to the Father and he was gonna send the advocate, he was gonna send the helper that was going to be with him, that was gonna testify about him, that was going to equip these disciples how to 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 witness, to be his witnesses and and to understand this relationship, to be that to have the Holy Spirit as their comforter in their lives. This the role of the Holy Spirit is so important for us to grasp into, to dive into, but specifically when it comes to prayer and this, this uh, teaching here this morning, I mean, I really need to hit home in Romans chapter eight, verse 15 through 16. This is what it says. It says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Wow. Powerful. How can we call God our Father? Because we have His Holy Spirit testifying, witnessing to our spirits that we are His. 
we are his. We, have not, we don't have to shy away in a relationship with God like slaves to our master. But no, we have, been, we have a spirit that says we've been adopted into a family. We've been adopted into this new relationship. Man, where God sees, the father sees you, he sees the son. He has your spirit, the spirit living and dwelling within us that, that enables us to say, Abba, Father. But you know what happens when the Holy Spirit doesn't have us, per se? Man, the cares of this world, the lies of the evil one, our own flesh become the dominant voice in our, in our lives. Why can't you hear God? Because we haven't slowed down and abided in Christ. We haven't abided and allowed the Holy Spirit and recognize to sit in that truth that the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the grave is living and dwelling within you. And then you have what's found in Romans 8, 26 through 27. This is a game changer. It says this, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Game changer. Game changer. You don't know what to pray for? Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me to pray. Holy Spirit, help me to pray. There's been times I didn't know what to pray for something. I'm like, Holy Spirit, help me to pray. And, and I begin to distrust and begin to speak. And, and, and from that, I recognize there's something welling up from within me that wasn't of my own thoughts or whatever. And it was testifying and speaking to the heart of people. The Spirit of God lives and dwells within his children lives and dwells within us and, and helps us to pray. I love that. You don't know what to pray for. You, you make mistakes in your prayer life. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf, interceding on your behalf with the Father. It says, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, for the Spirit intercedes on behalf of the saints of God for the accordance of the will of God. You know how what Jesus says, like, man, you, if you ask, you shall receive. And he gives this kind of these bold, like, child. You know how he can say that? He said, because if we're really praying in, the, in line with the Holy Spirit, we're praying in line with God's will. And we can ask and we shall receive. We can have a boldness in our prayer life. We can have a boldness in our relationship that's not dependent on our good deeds or how well we say our words or, or how often have our neat little phrases or whatever. No, 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 no. You and I are children of the most high God. We have the spirit of God dwelling within us. He's enabled us to be able to even call God our father and he helps us in our weakness. Somebody get excited about that. I don't know about you, but that's excite, that excites me. That, that, that should excite you. I should remind you, you're not alone. You're not alone in this. He's your helper. And so, as we kind of wrap things up, I'm gonna talk about some next steps 
as we grow in our prayer life. Some next steps. The first one, start where you are, not where you want to be. Start where you are, not where you want to be. That goes for really any spiritual discipline or, or rhythm, as I like to call them. A lot of times we like to come out of this and be like, yeah, we're going to pray for two hours. And then you go up and you wake up the next morning, you, you slept through your alarm and <laughs> you didn't pray one moment the other day. And you're like, dang it, right? You start beating yourself up over it. Start where we are. Take a step, a baby step, especially new believers. Take a, take a baby step and commit to that. Be faithful over the long term. Don't, don't feel like you have to be the super whatever. Like, take a step. Maybe for, uh, for you, um, your step is to grab a prayer card. When just a moment, we're gonna open up the altars and we pray and you're just gonna grab a prayer card and you just maybe write out your prayers. We're actually gonna use those, those, those prayers, uh, prayer cards to pray over during the one prayer night this Wednesday at seven o'clock. Maybe for you, it's keep a journal. Maybe for you, it's learning how to pray aloud in the secret place. Maybe your next step for you is, is to create a secret place in your house, in a prayer room, a prayer closet, a spot, a nook or something, right? In your home that is dedicated for you to meet with God, for you to be able to talk with him. Man, that's a game changer. Start where you are, not where you want to be. Number two, pray with and for others often. Pray with and for others often. The scriptures talk a whole lot about the power of coming in agreement with other believers in prayer. There's tremendous power there. Tremendous power. That's why I'm excited for us to, com- to continue and to commit to this once a month gathering together as, as one. We're gonna have kids, we're gonna have our students here, our youth here, we're gonna, we're gonna have the adults who are gonna come to the other college students where we're all as one focused on prayer, going before God. And, and you know what happens, man, when you get around with other people, how many of you guys have been there when your, your, your faith is like a here, like this, right? but you run into somebody and they're like, just filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're like, hey, let's pray. You know, they jump right into it. And you're like, oh, okay. That's a breath of fresh air, right? Because there's something powerful of getting with others and kind of gleaning off of others. Listen, you guys know it to be true. Maybe some of you guys may have that, that praying grandma. How many got that praying grandma? Or that praying mom or dad, uncle, Man, you just get around them and you're like, man, they just, they just, you know they are, they're really praying. You, kind of, you start to glean off them. I love this song from Brandon Lakes called Talking to Jesus. You guys heard that? If you haven't, you need to put that in your playlist. Talking to Jesus by Brandon Lakes. He starts off his lyrics by saying this. Grandma used to, play, to pray out loud for her, uh, by her bed and, and every night to me it sounded like mumbling like she was out of her mind. She said, boy, this kind of praying is what saved my life. You ought to try it sometime. And no, and now I know she was right. You 
what happened. Got around somebody else, feel the Holy Spirit. And it started to just kind of feed off that and encourage and inspire. I love the rest of the song. It's about him. He was starting now. He's praying and he's worshiping and he's growing up. He's got kids and the kids, one of his kids comes in. His son comes in to the room while he's worshiping and he's praying. And, and his son is like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bother you. And he says, no, no, no. You came at the right time. And the son starts to what? Pick up on his prayer life. Dads, moms, you know what you want to give your children? A prayer life. You want what's best for them? You start taking ownership of your prayer life and modeling it at home. Let them see the tears. Let them hear the words being confessed out loud by faith before a God that loves them. Finally, I feel this so strong praying for you guys and praying about this moment. We need to take the lid off our prayer life. Take the religious lid off your prayer life. In Jesus' name. What do I mean by that? I know a lot of people, you may too, they're super religious, super uptight. They can argue all these different theological concepts. They talk more about God than they actually, what? Talk to God. So you're like, ouch, dang it, Pastor Matt, gosh. <laughs> Why you call me out? Listen, you need to hear it. We need to hear it. We get so caught up in our religious boxes sometimes. We need to take the lid off and realize you have the spirit of God living and dwelling within. You have access to the God of all creation. You think, not only that, but you have Jesus saying, hey, listen, I'm asking you to ask, seek, knock, to know that you are invited into a relationship that you can press into that you don't have to worry about, I'm gonna uh, push you aside or I'm not gonna lean in. No, no, no. You have a heavenly father that's leaning in and said, yes, son, yes, daughter. What's, what's on your heart? What's, what's holding you down? Man, that burns my heart. What do you, what do you, you got some people that you're believing for that you want to come to know me? Why don't you talk to me more than you talk to that person a little bit before you start sharing the gospel, start talking to God about the people that you're trying to share the gospel with. You want to start getting, moving on in your life, in your relationships. You want to start growing. We got to pray. We got to grasp this, this God of how much more, how much more. If he closed the grass and the field and the birds, he feeds them. How much what? How much more? If he's willing to care for all of them, how much will he do that for you? How much more? Jesus is saying, take the lid off your prayer life. Oh, Amen. Let's start hoping again. Let's start hoping again. Those prayers that you push to the side, let's start hoping again. Amen. Let, let's start seeking again. Oh, I just don't feel God. Oh, keep pressing in. Keep going. 
oh, I just don't really feel like, keep going, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Why? Because if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door will be opened. And you have the Holy Spirit enabling, empowering you on this journey. Would you bow your heads and your, and your hearts with me as we wrap up this series together? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that all the barriers, all the lies of the evil one, all the anxiousness, all the all the distractions, all the things that, that want to hinder us from truly grasping you as the God of how much more this morning. I pray in Jesus' name that by your word, that by your spirit, by, by your loving kindness, but by the lordship of Jesus Christ, that those begin to fall to the wayside as your sons and your daughters begin to wake up to the reality of the God of how much more. God, I pray in Jesus' name that those who've been bound from addictions, bound by the fears, bound by the lies, bound by the traumas, bound by physical ailments, bound by the things of this world, I pray, God, that, that Lord, that even today, that they begin to catch a glimpse of you, God, and begin to press into you more, asking, seeking, trusting, grasping how big and how great you are. Lord Jesus, you are faithful to model to us what this relationship looks like. Would you help us to be present to you, to become more like you, to do what you would do if you were us. Lord Jesus, have your way in this church and in the world at large. Your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's teaching. We hope you have a great week.